Our talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Tuesday Buckeye Talk. This will serve as both your Tuesday and Wednesday Buckeye Talk. It's Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, and Stephen Means. We are getting this up Tuesday afternoon, early evening to reflect on the national championship game from Monday night through an Ohio State lens. If you want a breakdown of what it means for Georgia, what it means for TCU, Shahan Jehiraja and I did that on the College Football Survivor Show. That's already up on Tuesday. We did that Tuesday morning. So for the sort of national view of like how good Georgia is, that kind of thing, go to there for that. We're doing this through an Ohio State lens. We're also going to talk about the people who did well and who won our ESPN College Football Mania Confidence Pool Bowl Bracket. We'll announce that because the person who won gets a a spot on this show. Uh, As a future guest, we'll talk about some of the NFL stuff with Ohio State. Um, And then we'll get to the AP, final AP poll, where Ohio State finished, where Nathan Baird had them. But we'll start, guys, with how Ohio State fans felt watching this game. And I don't know that it surprised anybody, but it reinforced the idea that the real national championship game was Ohio State versus Georgia. So I asked the texters, in a survey question, which most closely matches your view after Georgia destroyed Ohio State? I'm distraught. Ohio State lost a sure national title by losing to Georgia. I'm optimistic. Ohio State proved it's the team best suited to challenge Georgia for the long haul, or I promise I'm exactly 50-50 of both. Nathan, what do you think won? Distraught, optimistic, or both? I think it's got to be at least optimistic. I don't know if they'd go so far as to say best position to challenge long-term, but at least optimistic. You think optimistic beat distraught and, and did not and it beat both. So, Stephen, what do you think it was? What won the, bolt, the vote? They're optimistic, they're distraught, because, oh, it was right there, or they're both? Both. Just because, I mean, you have a reason for it. I mean, you're probably optimistic about the future, but, I mean, you lost by one point to a team who just won 65-7. to seven. So you're both wrong. They're distraught. (laughs) They're mostly distraught. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. 39% distraught, 35% both, 26% I'm optimistic. So it's not – it's kind of all basically the same. And And I'm sure every Ohio State fan has some of both there. I will say, Nathan, that I watched that game more optimistic, and I did think I thought the vibe of the way the game was described and the way Georgia was described was a was a little odd because it felt it was mostly this is Georgia they're the new dominant force in college football look out you know like there might be a 10-year a dynasty coming here from Georgia And there, of course, was some mention of like, hey, by the way, you know, the real national championship game was the semifinal. But I think in our final evaluation, as I think of that game, I think I'll believe there were four things that if any of them broke for Ohio State, that Ohio State went 0 for 4 on these things. If Ohio State would have gotten one of them, I think they may have won. I think they would have won. One is... Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get hurt. The second is the keep the targeting call. Don't overturn it and set up Ohio State for a first and goal 
instead of Ohio State settling for a field goal there. That's two separate things, really, as we talked about. Right. Three is Lathan Ransom doesn't fall down, and you don't give up a one-play 76-yard touchdown drive. And four is you make the field goal. So there are four things, Nathan. I think if Ohio State gets one of those four things, Ohio State probably wins. Maybe I missed it because I, I was in and out. I mean, like I was watching the whole thing. I wasn't always super paying attention to what they said because it's like, what do you yeah. say? But I didn't think there was a ton of discussion of, oh, by the way, I don't know if the word, I don't know if Georgia was lucky to beat Ohio State, but they were fortunate to beat Ohio State. They certainly did things to to do that, that last drive, right? They they didn't just stumble their way to victory, but they got some help along the way. There were some things out of their control that very much helped them, including the game coming down to a field goal that got missed. I didn't think that was discussed a ton. I thought the vibe was more like, "Uh uh-oh, this is it. Georgia's a monster, and I don't know what college football is going to do. And it's like, well, I don't know. Like, they almost lost in the last game. And I guess that's not what you have to be talking about in a 65-7 to game. But I was, Nathan, thinking about the idea of what if you flip these games? What if Georgia blows out TCU in the semifinals? Like, ah, TCU, I don't know. Should they have even made it? And then the national championship game is like, oh, my God. It's a coin flip. Oh, make them co-champions. Ohio State and Georgia, they're right there. I don't know. Like, it's this, it's what's the difference? It's just the order the games were played. Both things still happened. But I wonder if the view today is oh, Ohio State and Georgia, they're equally as good as much as it would be if that game had been played in the national championship game instead of a semifinal. Oh yeah, no, that definitely is not the way it's being talked about today. Nor nor should it be. I mean, give give Georgia credit for having no blemishes on its record whatsoever this year, even though other teams gave them a, a ride and, and, and came close on a couple of occasions. And they're they're fifteen and zero, and that counts for something again compared to a team that's now finished eleven and two. I think the other thing to remember though is, and it goes to whether or not Georgia maybe really is taking over that mantle at the top of the sport, because. How have we always talked about Alabama? This has come up multiple times on this podcast, and I'm sure in other conversations around the country, that when you have a chance to put away Bama, you have to put away Bama. Because if you don't, they're they're gonna they're, that second life, they don't screw it up. Like they they capitalize. And uh, somebody had a chance to put away Georgia and, and couldn't in both in that game and in the playoff and throughout the course of the season. And they're the ones that endure and have this championship at the end of the season. And that is a hallmark of the team, the program that can be dynastic and separate itself. It was true of Alabama. It was probably a little bit true of Clemson and it's becoming true of Georgia that the, the weapons are so varied on both sides of the ball right now. The talent is so significant that it's not that they are necessarily overwhelming. Oh, obviously they overwhelmed TCU pretty quickly, but it's just that they are, they don't die easy and you have to strike that blow when you get a chance. And, and Ohio state couldn't quite get there. They like had the, the, they had the stake over the heart and they had the, they had the hammer in their fist and they were bringing the arm down and just couldn't quite finish it off. And that's why Georgia's winning a national championship. Yeah. But I do – here's the, the thing. I do – so you could watch that game, Stephen, through the view of beating TCU, or you could watch that game through the lens of how do you hang with Georgia? Because 
if you look at it the lens of, I can't believe the opponent in the national championship game was TCU. There probably are multiple teams that it, they would have gotten to that spot. And this is not to take away from TCU, but they're an underdog that won a bunch of close games to get there and deserved to be there. And then once they got there, it was like, okay. So there's a lot of teams that would have said, oh man, if that was our, you know, Nick Saban's like, what? I had to play Deshaun Watson twice in the national championship game. And now you're getting TCU. Like, give me that, right? Like this. Mm-hmm. So anybody, right? So if you look at it through that lens of Ohio State, then you're distraught, right? Oh, they and yeah. one of those four things goes their way. That's the team they get in the national title game. Are you kidding me? They got there in 2020 and they had Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, and that Nick Saban defense waiting for them. That's what they got in 2020. And this time around, if they would have gotten there, it would have been TCU. So if you look at it through that lens, then you vote distraught. But if you look at it through the lens of a team just won a national championship game 65 to 7 to repeat, and Ohio State's right there. Ohio State is right there. If you look at it through that lens, then I think you're optimistic. And I do think, Stephen, I don't know. I mean, I'm not watching that. I used to have, when I got dressed in the morning, I used to have like the ESPN shows on, whether it was like, I don't even know who's on what. I used to have when it was like uh, Skip Bayless and Stephen A. I'd have them on in the background, or I'd have Colin Cowherd on in the background. I just don't listen to them. I don't listen to those shows at all anymore. I think it's the rise of podcasts that I think podcasts are better than TV. I mean, honestly, I think like a lot of the TV stuff is it's chopped up. It's sometimes lowest common denominator, not but the audience deserves that, but that's what they choose to give the audience. And I think podcasts are smarter. So I have podcasts on all the time now. I don't have the TV stuff on. So I don't know what the TV people are talking about. And none of those people on those shows know anything about college football anyway. So like the idea of trying to listen to them about college football is useless. But if the idea, Stephen, if the, if the, if the common discussion is George is a monster, and it's like, oh, no, we're as good as a monster, like from Ohio State's perspective. That's very optimistic because maybe everybody else is scared of the monster now. Ohio State's not scared of the monster. They're like, oh, no, that monster, that's – I saw it up close. It's tough, but, like, I'm not – I didn't run into the woods when I saw the monster. So I'm I'm just – I'm curious how this season will be remembered and couched because that easily could have been Ohio State against TCU, obviously, on Monday night. It's hard because, you know, for starters, two of the three people you named aren't even at ESPN anymore. That's how long ago you were doing that. I know. I know. <laughs> it's the reason why I thought it'd be both because it's a fine line in between both of those two spots. Almost, if you flip these games and then it makes more sense because TCU was clearly the fourth most talented team of the four teams. So if Georgia would have just played TCU as the four seed and the one seed, and then they beat Ohio State the way they do, it's like, oh, that makes sense. The one seed kicked the four seeds, but, and then the two or three seed, it was a competitive football game. It's just things didn't work out that way. But I think what makes it hard is I don't know if Ohio State is, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Ohio State, the expectation is to compete for Big Ten champ, to win Big Ten championships and compete for a national championship every year. But even us on this podcast, sometimes it can feel like this is the window to win a national championship with this team. 
it's not like it's an every year thing. It's like things lined up perfectly, whether it was 2019 where it's complimentary football and that 2017 class blossom plus you got Justin Fields or the way we've talked about this 2023 team where it's like, oh, look, if all these things happen, this team can win a national title. That's not the air that Alabama has lived in. They've lived in, we're just going to win a national title every single year. And now it feels like Georgia has taken that spot from Bama of, we're just going to win a national title every year because there's no holes in our team. And so if you think about it from that perspective, that's why I thought it would be both because it's a combination of, oh, this was our year to do it. We had it. This was our national championship. For Ohio State, you mean? Yeah, for Ohio State. Do you think that's what Ohio – I don't think that's what Ohio State is anymore. I don't think Ohio State's in windows anymore. I think we're just there. I've given up trying to figure out when's an up year, when's a down year. Mm. you think Ohio State has windows? They point to certain things. I mean, we talked about the 2023 team would be the greatest college football team of all time if you thought you had, you know, veteran Quinn Ewers or a veteran quarterback who'd play there before or something, but they're not going to have that. But I I don't view Ohio State that way anymore. There was a time that I did. But it doesn't mean that I expect them to win the national title every year, but I think I expect them to compete. Because that's the word even you used, compete for a national title. Mm-hmm. Win the Big Ten, compete for a national title. They did compete for a national title. They lost by one point to the defending national champs who repeated. Like, they absolutely, they, they competed for a national title more than anybody else in the country. One team won the national title, and one team best competed with that team and it was Ohio state. So by that standard, they reached it. And yes, of course, second year quarterback versus first year starting quarterback matters, but I don't think it matters enough for me to believe that there are windows for Ohio state. Do you still, you think there are windows for Ohio state or will you enter 2023 thinking, yeah, no, I don't know. They should be, they should win the big 10, make the playoff and compete for national title. I think I'm somewhere like in the, it's like a weird area in between that because it's like, Oh, this guy's leaving. The, I don't know if Georgia and Alabama, I don't know if Alabama and Nick Saber are thinking like, Oh, Bryce Young is gone. Will Anderson is gone. So like, we're kind of, we have to revamp and re, you know, kind of rev up the engine again, the way that we talk about Ohio State sometimes because, Oh, building a first year starting quarterback, who are the tackles and all that stuff. I don't know if that happens at Bama the same way. I think no, it's I think just it like, does. I, I disagree with that because the main thing is the quarterback. Right. And so the common denominator of Ohio State, Georgia and Alabama going into next year is all of them are going to have new starting quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. all of whom are unproven. Nobody at any of those places has played at all. We don't know squat about anybody. Jalen Milrow played, made one start for Alabama and was like, I don't know if he's the guy. And talking to the Alabama reporter we had in the College Football Survivor Show, he's not sure Jalen Milrow is the guy that there still could be a portal answer. There could be uh, what's the is it? Ty Simpson is the guy below him. Yeah, there could be a quarterback battle. And then like Carson Beck, Beck, Brock Vandegrift, that's that's exactly the same as Kyle McCord, Devin Brown. It's like two young, highly recruited guys. So, okay. So the quarterback thing, I don't know that I would view Ohio State with a new starting quarterback any different than I'd view Alabama or Georgia with a new starting quarterback. The tackles thing for Ohio State is sort of a, a glaring thing. It's a, it's a weird kind of one-off thing which I think is a big deal, and we have made that clear that it's a big deal. But otherwise, I don't know that I think about Ohio State and Georgia and Alabama any different in terms of like the, regroup, reload, and be expected to compete for a title again. 
So when did that change for you? Because even in 2021, as good as that team was, we looked at that and we, well, look at what the 2019 recruiting class was. If there was going to be a down year, it would have been the 2021 season. Like I, I feel like we still live in those types of windows where it's like, oh, this recruiting class wasn't as good as it maybe should have been. Whatever the reasons are, the reasons are. Didn't we all pick explained... Ohio State to make the playoff in 2021, though? We did. Okay. I don't know. I mean, like, I think once you're in the playoff, you got a shot. I don't know. I don't – I think Ohio State pretty much, like, quote, should or could or has the ability to make the playoff every single year. And then it depends if there's a super team or not, I guess, is is my view of, like, whether I think they should. And I don't want to put a should. I don't put shoulds on national titles because that's not fair. I, I, I keep saying we got to change the context. I don't want fans to live in a world where if you don't win the national title, you're sad. Ohio State – had the second best season. Nathan, who had the second best season in college football this year? Mm. I don't know. I guess it depends on where you want to take your loss. Ohio State had the second best performance of the playoff. Is that all that matters? You got to Would the you playoff, rather take... you got the second best performance that make you the second best season. In a lot of people's mind, they'd say yes. So what in your mind? I asked you, what's your, what's your mind? It, so, because we can say it like this: Would you rather beat Michigan and then get to the playoff and lose to TCU? It's like what? And and as soon as you say, "Would you rather beat Michigan?" Everybody listening to the podcast is right. screaming, "Yes, I'd rather beat Michigan." So, I guess if that means you'd take Michigan season, I don't know. But when it I mean, got Michigan to the national stage, the uh, they got the they also have the Big Ten championship. And yeah, but yeah, I mean, I if whoever wins the Ohio State Michigan game has the Big Ten championship, that's assumed. You don't get extra points because you also then beat Purdue. It's like, of course you beat Purdue. Of course you won the Big Ten title. So those are the same thing. Anymore, it's like right. You're you have it's like people act like it's two separate goals: beat Michigan and win the Big Ten title, or for Michigan beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten title. Right now, as it's currently constituted, it's the same thing. It's one thing. You can break it up as two separate goals, but I don't give any bonus points because they went to Indianapolis and beat Purdue well, and got a trophy that nobody cares about. Then I would say that that gives even more importance to winning that game. So I'd say you would still have to put Michigan above Ohio State as far as who had the better season. Which fan base feels better heading into the offseason? Depends on how much you like Jim Harbaugh or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things. If you take it in totality, what would you rather be? Would you rather be the program that won the rivalry, lost as a favorite in a semifinal, and whose coach is now very visibly taking NFL interviews, or would you rather be the team that lost the rivalry, played the national champs within a point, and whose head coach is not taking NFL interviews? Like, who would you rather be? That we know of. I I mean I don't know I think it's it's not an easy call and I would take I mean don't listen do don't, you got don't, sources on that that we know yeah, of my God. well we don't like, like we that. don't there's a lot of NFL okay. there's a bunch of NFL jobs out there I don't know what you want me to say um, but I mean Michigan not didn't just win that game I mean it's two years in a row for winning the rivalry and they just found out Blake Corum's coming back and they know they got JJ McCarthy. They know they got Donovan Edwards. I mean, like I, I would still say there's a lot of optimism if you're a Michigan fan right now. What reason do you have to think you won't be in the playoff again next year? None. None. You get Ohio State in Ann Arbor. You've got J.J. McCarthy back. You've got Blake Corum back. You've got Donovan Edwards back. As far as we know, we you have the coordinators back, which is which you didn't have this year. And I don't 
we're not doing a Jim Harbaugh conversation right now. And then like the Jim Harbaugh thing is complicated, but like, I don't know, but Michigan should have no reason. I mean, I think Michigan's the big 10 favorite. I think like Harm's the preseason big 10 player of the year, but as you sit right now, Steven, which would you take the, 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 the Michigan situation as is, or the Ohio state situation as is. I think I might take Michigan situation. Just it's the, the quorum part of it is the variable that probably pushes me Michigan. Cause if he doesn't come back, I'm probably Ohio state. But that's a big variable when you're pairing that with, as of as we know right now, the coordinators, the head coach, the quarterback, and the other really good running backs coming back as well. Okay, uh, I asked some stuff about where Ohio State stands right now that we'll we'll get to. Let's get to that now. Where would you rank Ohio State as a football program right now to the text subscribers? Number two behind Georgia, tied for number two with Alabama behind Georgia, number three behind Georgia and Alabama, number four behind Georgia, Alabama, and Michigan, or number five or lower. So, Stephen, I want to ask what you think won the vote and also what your answer to this question is. You said number four behind Georgia, Alabama, and Michigan was one of the answers? I yes. think that one. I think that one won. I don't think you have this, but I would put them third. I don't. I would make them and Bama three A and B right now. No. So you. T- so do you pick that they're tied for second with Bama behind Georgia, or that they're third behind Georgia and Alabama? Oh, then I would tie them with Alabama. So you had them tied for second, but ahead of Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so but your vote is you think won. that you think them being fourth won, but you would have them tied for second. All right, Nathan, what do you think mm-hmm. won, and where would you vote them? I think the one that I think fourth probably won, and I, the one that I would pick is maybe not an option you gave. Like I think Georgia has the first spot all to itself, and then. I I think that Ohio State and Michigan and Alabama maybe are all sharing a tier right now. You would put Michigan on the same tier as Alabama? Why? Why would you put Michigan on the same tier as Alabama? As a program overall? I suppose okay, well then yeah, I guess really I would then I would, all right, then I'll put Michigan and Ohio State at best you're tying them for third behind those other two. Okay. So so you're closer to Closer to the fourth, okay. I guess. Yeah. So I didn't give an option of Ohio. You're closer that they're fourth. Okay. So people are much more living in the moment than you guys are. Number four got 11%. That finished fourth. Number four behind Georgia, Alabama, and Michigan got, got 11%. Number five got 0%. So the winner was number three behind Georgia and Alabama. That got 37%. Number two behind Georgia got 29%. Tied for number two with Alabama behind Georgia got 23%. So that is 89% of the people thinking that this program, and we know what program means, present, recent, past, future, not too far ahead. 89% of the people think Ohio State's ahead of Michigan. So this is dizzying. It really is. Because in a world where only Ohio State and Michigan exist, where there are only two college football programs in the country, if you said to Ohio State fans right now, I think they might pick Michigan, or it would be closer. 
it wouldn't be 89% would pick Ohio State and 11 would pick Michigan. But when you expand it beyond that, I understand having Ohio State ahead of Michigan because there's what they did head to head and then it's what they did on the national scene. And Nathan, I do think it, it has to affect when you see Michigan lose to TCU, Ohio State plays right with Georgia and then Georgia blows out TCU. I think that tells you something. I think that is even the idea, not that, not even that Michigan lost to TCU, but that Michigan and TCU played a tight game that could have gone either way, mm-hmm. right? And then Georgia did this to TCU. I think this is closer to what Ohio State would have done to TCU, not to this extent. I think that does affect the view, Nathan, and I think it should. And it's weird because I think it's, again, it's the continuation of all we talk about. It's local versus national. It's north versus the world. It's all of this. It's the rivalry versus the burden of the rivalry being removed. It really is almost two different Ohio states. And it comes down to like, well, which Ohio state are you evaluating? But you guys both thought that that number four, hey, they're fourth behind Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, would get much more support than it did. So Nathan, are you surprised that Ohio state fans are viewing it this way? Or is it just the juice of coming off this game? And it'll settle in in a different way. Or, or do you kind of understand why that many fans are at this point that saying, yes, I still believe Ohio State's a better program than Michigan? I think there is you know, some recent, I wouldn't know if you'd call it recency bias, but like the, the recent events, the events of the past 24 hours or the past week, 10 days, definitely affect this vote. Um, I, I would also hear that people who are saying, okay, yes, Michigan has been the has won head to head the last two years, but you stretch it back just to five years. You start incorporating 2019, Ohio State going to the playoff 2020, Ohio State being in the national championship game. Like all those things are, I think are reasonably within the answer to your question, right? That when you're talking about the program, that's a short enough amount of time that you would be maybe prioritizing those things. It's just difficult for me to get over the fact. Yeah. I understand what people, they look at the result of that championship game and say, um, well, what does it mean that for Michigan that it lost to a team that could then go lose by that margin? But what does it say to Ohio, about Ohio State that it could lose to the team that lost to the team that could go lose by that margin? It's it's complicated, and it happened last year as well when Ohio State like obliterated Michigan State, and we thought that told us a lot about what was going to happen in that Ohio State Michigan game, and it did not. So the, the it's it's more complicated than that. And sometimes those things just come down to the matchups and the way things start rolling on a given night. I would still, I think at worst, at best, I mean, right now, Ohio State and Michigan have to share a tier. Michigan has beaten them head to head the last two years. That accompanies a Big Ten championship that included going to a playoff one year when Ohio State didn't. And like we've said, like when you look ahead to the very near future, as much as we once were just so over the top optimistic about 2023, the way J.J. McCarthy has played, the other weapons Michigan has, I just relative to Ohio State and Michigan for 2023, that perspective has changed and, and what that means, what the repercussions of that are for the rest of a season have to change too. Steven, how much, when you think about what you thought of Ohio state and Michigan after they played and what you think of Ohio state and Michigan after the playoff, the way all three games unfolded, how did it affect your view of those programs? Do you feel like your view changed a lot or not that much? For both of them. Maybe it changed a lot for one and not that much for the other. I don't know if it changed much for Ohio State. I think it's changed my view with Michigan. 
mostly because of not just what they've done in that game, but what they've done when they've got on the playoff stage. And this idea that, and they kind of, they harped on it back in 2021 when we were at Big Ten Media Days, this idea that they built a team and a roster that is set up to beat Ohio State, but (laughs) it doesn't really beat anybody else but Ohio State. Well, Ohio State has this roster that's built, obviously, to win the national championship. And so as I've looked at it through that lens, it's why for me they should probably they probably should be on the same tier, but it's a little different how they go at it because it's like Ohio State could lose to Michigan for the next, especially once we get into a twelve team playoff world, they could lose to Michigan and realistically win a national championship in the same year as long as Jim Harbaugh is at Michigan. And I'm not sure like if that means that Michigan is as good as Ohio State or they just have a roster every year that for those sixty minutes from an X and O standpoint they can get on the field and beat Ohio State because they keep attacking whatever Ohio State's weaknesses are. But you're saying your view of Ohio State playing with Georgia and then Georgia destroying TCU did not change your view of Ohio State from after the Michigan game? No, no, because I thought – I mean, because I thought Ohio – I mean, I'm the, I'm, I picked Ohio State to beat Georgia in that game. I still think that it, what, what happens in that Michigan game for me has nothing to do with what Ohio State does when it gets on the playoff stage with some of these national championship contenders. So you're just saying Ohio State did what you thought they were going to do. So that's why you yeah. didn't change. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is complicated. It hurts my head a little bit. Let's take a break and finish up the survey after this. All right. Doug Nathan and Steven back. Again, our tech subscribers are providing the fodder for this. If you want to be a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315. I did this. I don't know if we need to dwell on this because this might be this might be more me than anything. Although, again, when I ask about it, Ryan Day nods his head. If Ohio State has to lean toward an offensive style, what should be the first goal of that offensive attack? Beat Georgia? Beat Michigan? Or that is a ridiculous question. They can be and have to be able to focus on and beat both. So ridiculous question got 80%. Like, why Why do you keep acting like it's a different game? Doug, it's still 11 on 11. Just because it might be indoors instead of outdoors or a little bit warmer or whatever. Like, why do you pretend that it's a completely different thing? I still contend that it is a somewhat substantially different thing. Not completely different, but... 80% ridiculous question was a little higher than I expected. 13% beat Georgia, 7% beat Michigan. This is like another whole offseason, Nathan, we can discuss this. Do I act like it's too different of a thing? Are you, would your answer be ridiculous question, Nathan, to this? I would not answer that it's a ridiculous question because of the nature of college football. I think it's very much worth pondering and, and Ohio State being a Northern team. But my answer, I think maybe changing a little bit over time because I, does Georgia play an especially Southern slash indoors brand of football? I would say no. No. And yet they beat Michigan head to head last year. They beat Ohio state this year. They beat in Alabama. Like they're kind of beating all comers right now. And with a style of play that I don't feel like is any more of like a track meet, than Ohio State does, or any more of like a grinder. Well, but than it's Michigan not track plays. meet. No, I, but but they throw the ball much better than Michigan does. I mean, again, like Michigan is such sure. a run first team, and yes, Georgia is physical and tough defensively, but I still do think that it's maybe it's even more of a of, of a conversation of 
of situation and place. And really, it, it really is weather and, and indoors versus outdoors that whoever you get to, and again, this is more of an off-season conversation. I do think in a world where we have talked about the idea of Ohio State and Michigan playing twice, maybe three times in a season, the fact that it's going to be indoors and in good weather in the Big Ten championship game, and then the same thing in a potential playoff matchup, I think Ohio State has, I don't know, a 30% better chance to beat Michigan in those scenarios than in playing potentially in Ann Arbor or Columbus in November, depending what's up. I don't know. It doesn't even matter if it's, it's not that the weather's bad. It's just that it's not perfect. So anyway, I think maybe it's more a conversation than that. I still just think the idea is it's not as much about, it's that you have to throw to beat the best teams on that level. And maybe you don't have to think about throwing the same way to beat Michigan. But I just think you have to have a great quarterback. And I think this, Nathan, Stephen, I think this proved this. I think any conversation about, hey, you got to throw to win. The only two p- teams that had any chance against Georgia the last two years were quarterbacked by Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't have Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, Georgia was going to eat you alive. And it's not good quarterback. It's Nathan, why are you not? Why are you Just, nodding your head? They did have some. I mean, they had the Missouri game this year that was that wasn't had to have anything to do with the quarterback that was playing against them. But your your greater point is taken. It wasn't because Missouri scored a bunch of points, though, because Georgia didn't score in that game. Correct. I mean, to, to score on Georgia. When yes. Georgia is Correct. on, yes, you need to have a quarterback who's probably going to be a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. Yes. So, and you've got to have receivers to match, and you've got to take advantage of that quarterback by throwing the ball repeatedly and consistently and effectively. And so I don't think Michigan can beat Georgia. Right now, I didn't think that last year's version of Michigan never had a chance against Georgia. And I don't think this year's version of Michigan that kind of had J.J. McCarthy kind of tamped down Stephen for most of the year and then tried to release him and mostly released him because Ohio State secondary fell apart. I don't think this version of Michigan would have beaten Georgia either. Right, Stephen, you're agreeing with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I don't think... Michigan can beat Georgia, but I think, but I do know Michigan can beat Ohio State, which is what makes this weird. So then, my last question was: Do you believe a team must have a great passing quarterback and great receivers to challenge Georgia? Yes, for sure, ninety-one percent. No, you could be a great team in another way, nine percent. So maybe if they were playing a home game with Georgia in Columbus, in like a. 7-10 game in a, in a first-round playoff matchup, I would view it differently. That's not where we are yet. We're only like two years away from maybe that being the case. But, Nathan, that's where that's where I've been. That's why I agree with how Ohio State does this. That's why I thought the toughness conversation wasn't, when it comes to running the ball, was not really where it's at. Of course, they want healthy running backs and all that. But they've got to accentuate who they are, that this Ryan Day style – Right, I would not want to take JT Barrett into face Georgia. I would JT Barrett is like turbocharged, or I don't even know if it's turbocharged. I think like Max Duggan and JT Barrett, there might be some real similarities there. I would not want to take. I would not want to take Braxton Miller up against Georgia, as talented and as fast as he is. The, you saw the minute a quarterback tries to run on them, they're like, "Yes." Now CJ Stroud ran because they didn't expect it. But I think you have to have this style of offense, Nathan, against these great defensive teams from the South. It used to be Bama, now it's Georgia. So I think, to me, 
what has happened with Georgia the last two years only reinforces to me my belief that Ohio State is going about it the right way overall. Play this way. Be this team. And you just got to figure out to be Michi- how to beat Michigan while you are that team. But when I think about next year, Nathan, and we're not going to go all the way to next year, but it's like Caleb Williams can beat that Georgia team. Ohio State quarterbacks and receivers can beat that that Georgia team. Could the best of J.J. McCarthy, like, developed, fully developed, let him go all year so he's ready to chuck it in the playoff, J.J. McCarthy? Could he do that? Maybe, but he's got to take a step. I just think you have to have that to beat to beat Georgia, Nathan, and I don't think Georgia's going anywhere. And from that standpoint, I think Ohio State fans should feel good because I think they have the right thing that you need to beat Georgia. And I'll finish with this, Nathan, before. Do you believe Ohio State is generally on the right track with its style, schemes, and strategy when it comes to beating the best teams in the country in the regular season and the playoff? Definitely yes. Yes with a few tweaks. No, but can get better with a few tweaks. Definitely no. Yes with a few tweaks, one, 79%. Definitely yes, 13%. The only two, only 8%. So 92% to 8%, Nathan, that people feel like, the way Ohio State goes about it is the right way. I feel that more than I've ever felt it. They just have to beat Michigan with it. But I think I would not want to be a certain style of team knowing Georgia is lurking out there. I like the style of team that Ohio State is. Well, yeah, and this is obviously the style that they've recruited to over time. It's kind of the style they almost would have to be right here in this moment. You'd have to, to, to change a lot of things. No, but, but but it's not that they choose. I mean, they right. this is what they chose to be when Ryan Day right. took over as the offensive coordinator and the head coach. So it's not – I mean, it's not like they – they chose to be this, and then the way that college football – I think they chose to be this because this is the way college football was evolving anyway, and I think Georgia only makes it more so. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there. It's just that what makes it complicated is that Michigan is one of the best teams in college football right now. So that that is part of your question still is like, are they playing the are they playing the right way to beat Michigan? And ninety two percent of the people say yes, and only eight percent say no. And I think I I agree with so, that, but I'm just saying that that's why it's it's complicated because you're still not getting over that hump against a very specific opponent right now and to go back to what i was saying before it's even in that 10-7 scenario you were talking about like if if georgia were playing at ohio state right now do we think ohio state has some kind of a a, a an advantage in that matchup because it's in the north i don't know if i believe that i know that's why i gotta take him to indy gene was right take him to indy what are we doing take him to indy it's like, oh, why would Gene give a whole playoff game away? Because it enhances your chances of winning. And it's going to stink to sit there in the stands. And it's only three hours. And Indianapolis is like a, a, the, the f- most western suburb of Columbus. Most Ohio State fans could drive to Indianapolis with their eyes closed. And then you get there and it's nice and toasty. And by the way, it enhances your team's chances of winning. That's why, Stephen. That's why. Yeah. And by the way, there's no home field advantage in Ohio Stadium. There's none because the minute you get behind, everybody gets sad. So, like, yes, but even, go to Indy. Even if, the, even if it was, even if it was Penn State, it's cold. It's it's 12 degrees outside. That's not an advantage for anybody, especially the team who actually wants to throw the ball. 
throwing in snowy weather is not for how this team is built, how they have chosen to build their, their roster to go win football games. It wouldn't be, it would actually probably be more of an advantage to Georgia because they're not going to throw it, chuck it around the yard the way that Ohio State would in a game like that. So anyway, we're having like 50 different conversations. Okay. That's a text or survey state of where they are. Let's do some other things. So we had our ESPN bracket, college football bowl mania and T shoe. And I will say, so Tyler Shoemaker and I did a, a bowl podcast that ran both on Buckeye talk on the college football survivor show and said like, Hey, here's some best bets. If you're doing a confidence pool, these are the games that you should have the most confidence in. And I think we did a good job and we helped lead people down the right path. And then I think a lot of the people who sort of like picked the games that we sort of suggested they pick did well because tissue finished second tissue was ahead the whole time. Tyler Shoemaker, he went 32 and 11, but again, it's the confidence pool where, you know, it's 45. They did 45 games, I guess it was like, no, 43 games, 43 points for the most confident one point for the least confident tissue finished second with 726 total points. The winner is Andrew Pearson. So congratulations to Andrew Pearson who got over the top with George's win over TCU. He had a lot of confidence points left. TCU didn't have many left. He finished with 744 points, which is tremendous. He went 30 and 13 overall, but who cares about the record? It's your confidence points. Andrew Pearson wins a spot on a Buckeye Talk episode in the future. So if you are Andrew Pearson, I don't know, like text us, tweet at us, email us. You can email me. At Delay Maurice at Cleveland.com. Is that what it is? No. That's what it is. Delay Maurice well, at Cleveland.com. <laughs> Do you that's not what it is. It's not Douglay Maurice, right? It's D. No, it's is it the whole first name or just the initial? It's just your initial. Oh no, it's just the first letter, your first name. Like, yeah, I thought you were saying at Delay Maurice. Like it was but I was like, no, that's not how emails work. It's Oh no, Delay no, Maurice. no Delay Maurice at Cleveland.com. <laughs> I just didn't know if it was Doug. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm old. I'm familiar with it. I have, I still have an AOL address. So, um, yeah. So Andrew Pearson, reach out to us. We'll get you on the show. Just let me run through the picks here real quick. Tyler Shoemaker, second, Levi Hogger, third, Jason Huffman, fourth, Drew Minich, fifth, Matt Karras, sixth, tied with Jeff Zimmerman. They tied for sixth, eighth, Russell Stubbs, ninth, Robert Vargo, 10th, Drew Riley. Tied with Mike Little. They tied for 10th. 12th, Alan Keller. 13th, me, which I'll take. I was in the top 10 most of the time. I left the national title game as a one for my least confidence because it's like you had to, yeah, I, mean, I didn't know who was going to be in it. I thought, well, it's going to be a good game. So I don't, I'm going to have no confidence because I think it might. And then it was like, oh, no, it's not a good game. It was game. not a good game. Points <laughs> confidence. No, but you didn't know that at the time. Yeah. So I finished 13th. Jordan Alexis put in two exact same en- entries and finished. Tied for 14th with him or herself, Jordan Alexis. Congratulations. Karen Kidner, 16th. Jose Rodriguez, 17th. Jamison Parker, 18th. Trey Postalweight, 19th. Kevin Eric, 20th. Scott Weghorst, 21st. Brent Babb, 22nd. Mike Hayes, 23rd. Catherine Garrison, 25th. And Diet Bill. This is the name of the entry. Nathan Baird coming in 24th. Nathan, I, you, did you surge at the end? That was a nice finish. No, well, I was as high as like 13th at one point, semi-late. 
and I can't remember which game it was. Something I, I got jobbed on something. Oh, actually, I think it was Michigan over TCU. I had a decent amount of points on. Um, so you and I had the same record, but you you did better on the uh, confidence side of it. Yes, that is that is correct. So I had six seventy. You had six forty four. We were both twenty seven and sixteen. Stephen, did you do did you do a bracket? I did. Sort of. I did terrible. I was fifty. Yeah, I was fifteen of twenty eight. <laughs> you oh, finished yeah, fifteen was, and twenty eight. Wow! What? Where did rough. you finish in our bracket? Let me see here. Four, I, know four, you four. Finished. I know that as of last week, I think you had the lowest scoring bracket of anybody who actually filled out the bracket. Yeah, it was. It got rough for me. Um, it got rough for me from that UCLA to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh game on. It got really rough for me. I did so get the, are you in the four hundreds? Are you in the four hundreds? Yeah, I did get the national championship game right though. I had Georgia beating oh. TCU. Wow! Yeah, I'm proud congratulations of that. on that. Um, okay, so congratulations, and we will make sure to get. Uh, I, I just I thought it was so funny that Tishu, who is like a, a contract contracted employee with us would then win the right to be on for free. I almost wish it would happen. We would have had the second place person on. So Andrew Pearson, again, congratulations. You will be on the show. All right. I don't think we've talked about Cade Stover. I think I mentioned it on the rants pod the other day. Cade Stover is back. Paris Johnson announced on Tuesday, just before we recorded this, that of course that he's leaving. That's not news. We knew that Tana McAllister is gone. Nathan, how big of a deal do you think it is that Cade Stover is going to be a Hanase Buckeye in 2023. I think it's huge because as little as we knew for sure about this tight end group coming into the season, and that's kind of fun to interesting to think back to, right? Like we had some consternation about how good the tight end position was going to be in, in 2022. And Kate Stover answered most of those questions pretty emphatically. So to have him back, cause it was going to be, I think a, a similar big question, or even bigger question mark in some ways, like you're turning things over to Joe Royer or G Scott or Bennett Christian or whoever is, is stepping up at that point. Like to have Cade Stover back at the top of that room after what he proved he could do this year, I think is significant. And it's especially because now if that next group, all those guys I just mentioned, if they just have another year of development, now maybe Ohio State can get back. To, if they can close the gap on Stover a little bit, now <clears throat> excuse me now Ohio State can use a two tight end look maybe with a little bit more frequency do some of the things that Ryan Day wants to do with this offense I think if Cade Stover had gone to the NFL they the starting tight end next year would have been a portal tight end and they tried to get the guy from Maryland who right. picked Alabama right. over them this before they knew for sure at least before Cade Stover announced I think they would have continued to hit the portal really hard and I don't know just because guys are like on the roster I don't I could be wrong. I think they might go from like Cade Stover as their top tight end to like a portal guy to Jelani Thurman. I just don't know that we have any I mean, huge reason to believe that it has another starting tight end is on the roster right now. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah that, that certainly I mean, has maybe Joe Royer maybe could have taken Royer probably could have taken a step this year, but he spent more than half of the year hurt. So it's just I mean, the development just hasn't been there. So I, I think I agree with that. I think this is a big deal because now. At this, as, as unless something crazy happens, whoever the starting quarterback is is going to have all the same weapons as C.J. Stroud, except two different tackles. Trayvon Henderson, Mayan Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., Cade Stover, Emeka Buka, 
Julian Fleming. Julian Fleming. Maybe you work in a little Jaden Ballard a little bit more, right, on the rise up. That's that's very interesting to think about. And then Donovan Jackson back, Luke Whipler back. You got to find a right guard for Matthew Jones, and you well, got to figure out these tackles. Well, he I, might be back. But, he might yeah. come back. I don't know if I, I – Matthew Jones might be back too. I wouldn't dismiss it. Yeah, I think there's definitely a possibility he yeah. could just because I don't know that he is such an NFL prospect. sixth year. Yeah, I don't know that he's such an NFL prospect – that he he has to jump right now. He is an interior offensive lineman. um, So we know that those guys, uh, it can be a little bit tougher. And he is, he does have the injury and it's, it's a combination of, did you put your best? Well, I won't say best foot forward because it was a foot injury. Did you put your best effort actually on the field this year? Is there something better inside? And, and also just how are you positioned to even do workouts and stuff right now? This, we don't know what the full condition of that foot is right now. It's NCAA screwed this up. Six, this is six year stuff is stupid. They they should have let anybody who I mean to be was fair, a senior a, in the COVID year. What a twenty five year old just won a national title. So yeah, no, but not for a COVID year though, right? It was yeah, like redshirt and junior college and whatever. I know yeah. I mean, it's all it's screwy. It's not. I, I don't know. There should probably should be an age limit. I think there should be. An, I don't this. I, I think there should be. They, an age they limit. tried to be nice and they screwed it up. They should have just let anyone who would have had their senior year in the COVID year have an extra year but there was no Ohio State made the national championship game like I don't like you get an extra whatever so okay if Matthew Jones wants to come back great but they got to figure out the tackle spots and that is the number one thing but it is remarkable to think about um all the skill guys all the skill guys that they're going to have back and how how good they were in it what I mean like if Marvin Harrison Jr. and Cade Stover and Emeka Ibuka and Julian Fleming make a jump somehow they're even better at what they do. And then if Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams can be healthy, that's a pretty good group to put around whoever wins this starting quarterback job. Okay. Let's go to the AP poll, but we'll do it after this last break on Buckeye talk. All right, Nathan Baird, you are the AP poll voter on the show. I saw that you sent the ballot out to the texters and I saw 150 responses. To that ballot, and I so I didn't read all of them. I don't know if you did. I, I did not either, actually, because it was it was later at night that I was sending it out, and uh, I, I there's been a, I mean, people watching that game. I put Ohio State fourth on my ballot, by the way, and and people watching that game when you do transitive property things are saying, well, wait a second, Ohio State lost to Georgia by the least possible points you can lose to a team by, and TCU almost did the opposite. They lost by they lost by the most points a team has ever lost a bowl game by. So it's it's which game, like which single game trumps a, a season long resume, trumps things like the other head to heads that have to maybe sometimes govern these. Um, I, I know there are people you can tell by the votes. I haven't gone and looked. You can tell that there are people who did vote Ohio State higher than fourth. So that means they voted them ahead of. Michigan and or TCU. Um, I, I guess I get it, but I thought this kept in imbalance with the way I voted all season. So I absolutely think there is a case for voting Ohio State ahead of TCU because they both have two losses. Neither won their conference championship mm-hmm. and they both played Georgia and one got blown off the field and one lost on a last second field goal. So I think you absolutely could vote Ohio State ahead of TCU. 
but you have to vote TCU ahead of Michigan. They beat them in a semifinal. Right. And I guess you probably can't vote Michigan ahead of Ohio State because Michigan beat Ohio State. You have to vote Michigan ahead of Ohio State. You have to vote Michigan ahead of Ohio State. So then you can't vote Ohio State ahead of TCU because TCU has to be ahead of Michigan. Michigan has to be ahead of Ohio State. This was my connection. Unless, unless I am, I love, I mean, head to head has to rule the day. Head to head has to rule the day. But I could see Nathan breaking that rule in this circumstance. Maybe. I think, I think a vote for Ohio State at number two would not be outrageous. Now, I have not given it the thought that you gave it. But on the surface, I do not think it would be outrageous. Did you ponder that at all? Uh, I absolutely pondered it when it was 38 to 7 at halftime or whatever, and it looked like TCU just didn't even belong in the playoff. Like, I think you you have to at least think about it. Uh, But again, everything you described earlier is true. It became, you know, we had this season where, you know, which team is actually going to emerge from all of this? And it, there were times where it looked like Georgia was also very vulnerable and not, not even talking just in the playoff game against Ohio State. I'm talking about some of those earlier games you talked about this year. They didn't necessarily look like they were going to finish off as the behemoth they looked like they might be in the early weeks. But at the end result of all this is that there was one clear team that separated. And even though it only beat Ohio State by one, it won hugely important games against great teams when it had to. And uh, that wasn't the case of these other three teams. They all had flaws. They all lost games when they were favored to win and, and probably maybe shouldn't have lost. So uh, that's why I just stacked it up based, like you said, on on that head-to-head. And uh, it looks especially weird because TCU did also have the loss to Kansas State on a neutral field and overtime in a conference championship game. But this was just one of those years. It wasn't – it, 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 it would be great if it was always clear-cut. It's not it, – it, I didn't think it was this year. I, I just went by – the uh the head to head that governed those those four playoff teams. So looking at uh collegepolltracker.com is the site that takes all the ballots and then lists it very clearly and easily and lets you know where everybody voted. Ohio State got eight votes. No, seven votes. One, two, three, four, five, eight. Eight votes for number two. Eight people voted Ohio State second. Three people voted Ohio State third, including Reese Davis. Reese Davis had Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. He had TCU sixth. Hmm. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Tennessee, Alabama, TCU. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Right? I'm looking at this is after everything's done, right? Yeah. There are, most people had them fourth. The great majority of people had them fourth. Seven people had them fifth, and two people had them sixth. Am I looking at the right thing? You have to be, because there's no way they would have been that low. Yeah. Two people had them sixth, which I think is a little too cute by half. Um, This person, Adam Cole, had Georgia, TCU, Tennessee, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State. So are people voting for Tennessee like, well, if Hendon Hooker hadn't gotten hurt kind of voting and like throwing out the South Carolina loss because then they beat like a bedraggled Clemson team in the Orange Bowl? That seems like an odd vote to me that you've – and Tennessee also lost to Georgia in a game that wasn't as close as the Ohio State-Georgia game. That's a bad vote. That's a bad vote. 
I'm not afraid to say that people are idiots who vote. That's a bad vote. That's a bad vote. It's a bad vote. Tennessee, TCU, and Ohio State all played Georgia. That's a bad mm-hmm. vote. That's a bad vote. It's a bad vote. This Chuck Landon guy from West Virginia, he had Georgia, TCU, Michigan, Tennessee, Alabama, Ohio State. That's a bad vote. I think it's a bad vote. So I think certainly Ohio State second makes more sense than Ohio State sixth. But I think, Nathan, in the end, fourth is probably where you have to land, even though there's a a part of the rationale that might be like, yeah, but this. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I got to. In the end, you kind of got to go by results. Tennessee ahead of Ohio State is odd. Is that odd, Nathan? I think that's odd. Tennessee Unless you're giving should, Tennessee more credit because they lost to Georgia at Georgia. I don't think they should be ahead of Penn odd. State, to be honest with you. I mean, Penn State's only two losses were the playoff teams. Yeah, Tennessee is, Tennessee is yeah, a tough one. and so one. were Ohio State's two losses. Yeah. yeah, Tennessee's a tough one just because of, like, what they were with Hooker, what they were after Hooker. But they still beat Clemson in the playoff, in the, in the bowl game. I mean – um, but no, I, I don't know why you would vote Tennessee ahead of Ohio state. I think that's a really tough, and I actually had Tennessee fifth. So it's not like I saw a huge gulf, but, um, but I kind of did. Like, I thought they were clearly like the four playoff teams had separated. And then there's the other thing. It's like, okay, yes, Ohio state has two losses and Tennessee has two losses, but Ohio state had to go to the playoff to get its second loss. It didn't lose to South Carolina by getting its butt kicked in the regular season. Like it, it's, that has to factor into this too. And I know I, I have some other votes here that people I, I think are not fond of today. It's tough voting in the last poll sometimes because how much do you, how much do you put on the bowl results and who had people missing and who didn't have people missing and how much does that Trump a, a season's worth of resume? It's not always an easy call. We do the best we can, but uh, as far as Ohio State being in the top four, I, I don't know how there's even, uh, I don't know why there's even a question of that at this point. Yeah, it's odd. It's it's hard because teams are – I think transitive property does matter. Head-to-head head absolutely matters, absolutely matters. But teams are different teams on different days, and matchups really matter too. Yeah. And I think I think that really highlighted this. This playoff really highlighted how matchups matter. And this is what I talked about in the College Football Survivor Show. I think some people got baited – because I was looking at the athletic. I think that they had like 27 people who made picks in the national title. Again, like six of them picked TCU. And I'm not sure that many people picked Ohio State against Georgia. And if you pick TCU against Georgia, you got played, baby. Like you, you did not know what was up because the transitive property of Michigan beat Ohio State, TCU beat Michigan, Ohio State played with Georgia. That means TCU can play with Georgia did not apply here because Stephen, Ohio State is like two different teams. Rivalry, Ohio State, rivalry in the North Ohio State lost to Michigan. Out in the world, Ohio State played right with Georgia, and you're trying to apply the same thing to them, and you got played. You got played. People pick TCU. Humans. Humans who study college football. And I, I feel as strongly about this. I thought the people who were like, oh, Georgia's good. People are, listen, I, I get a lot wrong. But I've been getting some stuff right lately. I finished 13th out of 444. I picked the Georgia-Ohio State game exactly right. I I was very certain that Georgia giving the points against TCU was the right bet, even though I didn't think it would be to that extent. 
So I'm feeling myself a little bit here. Steven, if you thought TCU was going to play with Georgia because TCU beat Michigan and Michigan beat Ohio State, you got played. And your analysis of college football is flawed. So I was very surprised that like people bought into that because it was like, no, no, not at all. But it's kind of Ohio State's fault that people got thrown off. Yeah, it is Ohio State's fault. You beat Michigan, then none of this even matters. It's Ohio State, Georgia playing in, probably playing in, in SoFi Stadium on Monday night. TCU's was a cute story. The way they kept fighting back like a Cinderella. It was a really cute story until you're playing the Monstars. And then the cute story no longer matters because you're playing the team who's actually supposed to be there. I was, I didn't think it'd be 65. I thought it'd be what the halftime score was just because maybe, you know, it'd be like 21 to seven. And then Georgia would kind of scale back a little bit. Georgia just kept piling on because TCU just doesn't have the talent at all. Even they were getting blown out by the second and third stringers by the fourth quarter. And their starting running back didn't play. I mean, if you pick TCU, you just got played. Yeah. You just got played. You just you thought too you didn't hard. No. You you just you were just wrong, Nathan, from the jump. Everything you if you picked TCU, and my lovely co-host Shahan picked TCU, but to his credit, Shahan picked TCU to beat Michigan in a way that I think was sensible. And then when we talked about it on the Survivor show, he brought up the talent mismatch and then tried to pick Georgia to, to beat TCU. But on CBS Sports, where he works, he had originally, like right after the semifinals, picked TCU to beat Georgia. Then I made him stay with that pick. I asked him to stay with his pick. So he did pick TCU. But he actually helped develop the analysis that made it clear that it was never going to happen. So I'm not calling out Shahan here. I'm calling out people at any other national publication who are like, oh, you know what? I picked Georgia to blow out Ohio State, but now I'm going to pick TCU to beat Georgia. You got played, Nathan. Right? I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. Understand the sport. Yeah, we've we've talked so many times on this pod about like the idea of like results independent analysis. Like don't just look at what happened, because sometimes what happens isn't necessarily what logically follows through all the steps. And this is why uh Tishu always says, you know, trust the number, follow the number, the number is the only thing that matters. Like all of those after the Ohio State Michigan game. Every book in the country that was posting odds still had Ohio State favored head-to-head against Michigan on a neutral field. Like, because that's the, the essence of those programs, the, the you know, head-to-toe of those programs, Ohio State still had the better collection of talent and was still favored to win that game. So I, I, th- I hope that that's one thing that through the, the um, betting the boiler or betting the Buckeyes, I should say, that we're, uh, that we're bringing to people is uh, – um, that to to not to don't make those like quick emotional um reactions that like the, people study this for a reason there's those power rankings and stuff are out there like those those numbers hold up and they tell you a lot and Ohio State that's actually maybe the thing that you should feel most secure about in some ways as an Ohio State fan is cuz now go look at any of those those things and they tell you at the end of this season Ohio State was unquestionably unquestionably one of the two or three best teams in college football. So that's where you want to be. And sometimes it, it goes the wrong way with, for those four reasons that you brought up earlier. And there are things that sometimes you don't even have that much control over that cost you a game um, and, and leave you on the wrong side of a championship. 
but you still, you're in the right place that you want to be. And one of these days, I think you keep taking shots at it and you keep being that close. That's a crucial thing. Not like Oklahoma where you get in and just get clubbed. Like you're right there. Like a one point loss to Georgia, I don't think curses this program forever. It tells you that they're doing the right things to be there on the, the at the end of the season where they want to be. And one of these times they get the breaks and they have the breakthrough. So I don't, I don't only use this year because it was my first year on the beat, but really I think 2005 is a little bit of a line in the sand for Ohio State because they win the national title in 02. They're still really good in 03, but 04 is an actual reset, right? They lose to Northwestern. They lose to Iowa. It's Troy Smith's taking over the quarterback job in the midst of that year, and everything they do in 04 is setting up something. And what it's setting up is two remarkable seasons in 05 and 06 of great talent, great success. So it's the last time sort of the conversation we were having earlier, Stephen, about like, well, I think Ohio State at this point, it's like every year could be the year. 04 was the last time that Ohio State, other than the chaotic NCAA sanctions year of 11, which I just basically throw out because it's not a football conversation. It's a sanctions conversation. That's the last time where for, for, for football reasons, they weren't really in the mix. Okay. And it just so happens that I got here the next year. So I'm not doing this because it's just of us done. So in the last 18 years, and I'm throwing out 2011. They have finished in the top six, 15 of those 17 years. And they finished in the top five, 13 of those 17 years. It is unbelievable. And I'll go do the research and check out how other programs match up to that. So in the last 17 years of actual football, right, that matters, this is final AP poll results. Number one, once. Number two, twice. Number three, three times. Number four, three times. Number five, four times. Number six, twice. Number nine, once. And number 12, once. And the time they finished number 12, they were undefeated in the regular season on the cusp of making the national title game. And they lost to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game and then went and lost to Clemson in the Orange Bowl because Braxton Miller hurt his shoulder early in that game. So they finished on a two-game losing streak and dropped to 12th. But it's not like they were the 12th best team in the in the country the whole year. They were like the second best team in the country the whole year. They were undefeated in the regular season. Steven, that's ridiculous. They're like a top six team for basically two decades. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And again... I, I talked a lot about contacts the other day. If we in college football called finishing in the top eight at the end of the year, making the elite eight, and you'd say, oh, they yeah. have 15 of 17 elite eights. You'd have a name for it. You'd have a category for it. Instead, we don't think of it that way. It's remarkable. It's not just being good, Stephen. We're not talking about top 20. We're not talking about top 10. Sustained excellence. 15 of 17 years, top six. Remarkable, is it not? It's very remarkable. But here's a pessimistic way to look at it. I think about a year and a half ago, we did like tiers of college football programs. And we kind of all came to the conclusion that for what Georgia was at the time, them not having a national championship, they were arguably, arguably maybe the most underachieving program. Well, they've just won back-to-back national titles. And with what you just mapped out there, Ohio State has been in the mix longer than any program in modern-day football, basically since since Jim Trestle showed up here. They've had one down year because of sanctions. 
but they've won only two national titles and they haven't won one in almost a decade now. Have they replaced Georgia in that seat? I boy, I don't know because Georgia. I mean, <laughs> Georgia doesn't have a 2002 national championship and a 2014 national championship. Even like they had even an even longer drought of getting. To, I mean, Mark Rick just went in the College Football Hall of Fame. And I, don't, I was looking at his numbers. Today. I don't think he ever finished higher than third in the AP poll at the end of a year, which is great. He did it a couple times. Like he won a ton of games. He's in the Hall of Fame for legitimate reasons. But I'm just saying that, like, even like as great as that was, they weren't competing really for national championships the same way. At least Ohio State is winning them every 10 years or so. Like, that's kind of what you're talking about now. Like, a 10-year drought between national championships seems like an eternity for Ohio State fans. And that I don't – that's a – that's not what Georgia had. Um, it to deal with. It's not, but they have back to back now, so it's like you know right. that clock kind of resets itself when you win a national title. So first of all, it's not ten years. There's been eight champions since Ohio State won its last national. That's an almost, almost they, a decade. These are the four programs. There's only four programs that have won national titles since Ohio State won a national title. Three for Bama, two for Georgia, two for Clemson, one for LSU. So this is goes back to guess what it goes back to Kings of the North. So if you decide, Oh, you've been that close. What's wrong with you. That's the context you choose. Or if you say, man, the power of college football, the demographics of recruiting are all in the South. And here's this Northern team that is in the mix every single year. And then often they end up butting up against the most powerful teams in the South. And usually they fall short. Usually they do. They're not losing to anybody else in the playoff other than the Southern teams, right? They're losing to Clemson. They're losing to Alabama. They're losing to Georgia. Back in 06 and 07, they lost to Florida and LSU. They're not losing to Boston College. They're not losing to USC. They're not losing to Texas. They're losing to the powers in the South. So you can say, hey, man, you're there all the time and you can't beat those teams. You're underachieving. I don't know. I don't – I think – well, people know this. Being in the mix is what is really truly to me what defines you. And then, of course, you count championships. But they're always right there. And I'm not so sure they're not overachieving by being there all the time. Right? What were you going to say, Nathan? Well, just – to point out that the last two years they do have three losses against teams from the north in Oregon and Michigan, like that, it is. You can argue that it maybe it isn't trending the right direction, even though they had this great game against Georgia. That um, that that you need more separation than that. But it's also we're about to enter an, an area, an era where it's the, the we're going to be proving these things in very different ways when this goes to twelve teams, and um, I'm I'm eager to hear how our conversation changes at that point. Is we're gonna have to look at things from just a very, very, very different perspective. Maybe I'm getting soft in my old age, but I actually get aggravated by this conversation now. That you have a program that a program would exist where in the last 17 seasons of football that mattered, they've been in the top six 15 of 17 years, and the reaction would be they're underachieving or they're disappointing. How can you live that way? What is the point? How is that fun? Like I just why is that how we characterize that? I don't think of it that way. And maybe maybe I once did. 15 of 17 years among the six best 
teams in a sport of 130 teams with 65 at the at this level. You just nodded your head. Well, it's not really 130. All right, that's right. That's, that is part. But that is part of it. I don't that want part I, of this. It's not fun. That is part of this. It's Nobody not. Nobody else if, is doing that. It's not because it's not like every other sport. It's not built like every other sport. It isn't. Uh, it isn't constructed like every other sport. Like it's. It's. It's a different thing. And if you're funded as one of the six best teams in the country every year, and you recruit like one of the six best teams in the country every year, then then you should be in the top six. That's. It's. This isn't. It is not everyone is equal, and they shouldn't be judged in the same way. Now, I, I actually am closer to the way you think about this than I probably sound right now. I do think that sometimes. Uh, like you, you have to, you have to be able to appreciate an eleven and two season, um, without it all being a heartache and and being jaded about losing to Michigan. You you have to take the great moments that came along with it, or otherwise you're right. Like you're not enjoying any of it at all. But again, the standard of of what this program is supposed to be and what it's supposed to do at the end of the day is kind of only like six is almost is the floor, right? Like what? How much? Like what? What is acceptable in any given year, other than being in the top six? I don't know. Ask Earl Bruce if six is the, the floor. Ask John Cooper if six is the floor. Ask the thirty-year stretch between national championships. Like what? So we have now defined. Like, what are we saying that like Ohio State? Ohio State has to win a national championship every decade or something. Like what? Based on what? Based on Woody? Based on what? What is our context that this? I, what is the context that being in the top six, fifteen out of seventeen years, is underachieving? Because it's not the context of the history of Ohio State football. It's not. It's not the context of Big Ten football. Right. It's not. Right. What's the context? Bama. No. But, Nick Saban. What's the context? But the context has changed. We look at the national football landscape differently in twenty twenty three than we did in nineteen seventy three. Like it's different. It's vastly it, it, even even the 1983. It's vastly different, and the haves and have-nots have separated more than they were back then. There was a time when like Minnesota was a national power in Big Ten football. If you go back far enough, you know what I'm saying. And that's not the world that we live in anymore. So again, I'm actually closer to the way you think about this than I sound right now. But but you, we have to be also realistic about where Ohio State, again, with its resources, with everything that goes into it, where it is supposed to be in a given year. I think uh, I would not hold it against fans out there who years where Ohio State loses three games and finishes out of the top 10 that wouldn't say, well, that's completely that that should never happen because that's how this sport is built. So, by the way, if we're having a conversation about like most underachieving programs, Texas, LSU, where's LSU? They have one title, right? Florida State, Florida. I can name 10 programs. Oklahoma, right? I don't even like the idea of like, you you think Ohio State's underachieving because they're always there. And the teams that are sometimes there and then completely fall off the map, they don't get viewed through the same lens. So they're not as, they're not in the mix 15 out of 17 years. So then it's like, oh, LSU just sucked. Part it's of the time. Florida State it's, just sucked. So Ohio State's the most underachieving program? That's ludicrous to me. 
It's not. I, I do agree with that. It's not a fair discussion because it's like, all right, would you rather be the Ohio State team who's always there even if you're not winning it, or I'd be the team who had like a crazy good year the way Florida State and LSU did, but then you drop right back off a cliff right after that. So it's not, it's it's not. It is kind of comparing apples to oranges there. I think as far as asking the Earl Bruce and John, well, that's not the standard at Ohio State anymore. That's been raised now. So I don't even know if that we can use them as comparisons of like, oh, John Cooper and Earl Bruce would love to have this. Well. They didn't, but this is since Jim Trussell walked in the door and then Urban Meyer came in here and raised it even higher. That's the where the standard is now. So we can't compare it to what it was during the 30 year drought between national but championships. Listen, but you're talking about you talk about Jim Trussell and Urban Meyer raising the standard. They each won one national title. So how could you say they then raised a standard that they themselves fell short of? What are we talking about? They raised the standard and then underachieved to the standard they created. I'm more speaking to is like, that. What like, we're saying? No, I'm saying like three. Like Nathan brought up the idea of like having a three loss season when you finish outside the top ten. That can't. That's like that can't even be a thought process at this point. The same way it was with John Cooper and Earl Bruce. Yeah, I don't know how I got looped into the. So you're, State. But what? What do you? I was. I wasn't the one saying that Ohio State is the most underachieving program. I was just pointing out that. No, I, I was just. I, no, I was just. I spoke up just to specifically talk about the King of the North concept and how three of the, three losses in two years against teams from the North. And if you want to be competing at the national level, those losses are going to hold you back. And the other thing is Ohio State, they've raised the standard. They've never had the number one recruiting class. So they have more national titles in recent times and they have number one recruiting classes. Their recruiting class is always like second or third, which guess what is where they always finish. Sometimes this idea that like they are not achieving its standard, what standard? Like Stephen, what do you mean by like Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer raised the standard, but then if they're underachieving to that standard, like it's not like Trestle and Urban stacked up national titles, one 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 in ten years and one 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 in seven no, years. No, I'm more getting at the, the idea that years. maybe I'm more I, I'm more comparing them to the other teams that are on their caliber, the Alabamas, the Georgias, Clemson. Even if they've had two bad seasons, are they the, uh, this idea that they're due for a national title? Because now they of the, the other teams that they are comparing themselves to, they have all won one in the last four or five years here. Okay, this could be an off season conversation. I think I am getting softer in my old age. I want people to enjoy sports and. I think it's fun to have a high standard and, and and hold a team to that, but I don't think it's fun to have a team that has been in the top six in 15 of the last 17 years and be miserable about it. And And it is incumbent upon us to help lead a discussion where you have context. And again, the thing that happens to Ohio State is when Bama's good, oh, they're not as good as Bama. Oh, now Bama fell off. Well, now they're not as good as Georgia. Oh, Georgia sucked under Mark Richt. Oh, then they weren't as good as Clemson. So the team they're not as good as always changes. But Ohio State, the question always is, well, why aren't you Why aren't you as good as fill in the blank of the best team from the South? But it's always Ohio State that's the one from the North being asked that question. And we just looped through who had the better year the last two years, Ohio State or Alabama? Who had the better or Ohio State or Clemson, right? Who had the better previous five years before these two years, Ohio State or Georgia? So I'm super interested in context. And if people get mad that I'm getting mad, I just want sports to be fun for the people who care. And 
I think we have falsely created a national championship or bust idea around Ohio State that has never existed, or at least has never existed since Woody. And Nathan, as you said, the sport has completely changed since then. But this idea that Ohio State has a birthright to national championships, when this is such a geographical disadvantage, and that then if they don't win it all, you're upset. Where did that come from? I, I, I don't I don't know where it came from. Maybe it's my, maybe it came from the people, maybe it came from us. And I've been doing this a lot longer for you guys, but I'll take the blame on that. But I'm trying to dial it back now, Nathan, because I think it I don't think it's ever been true. I don't think it's ever been true since 1978. I don't know. Right. But right now, again, as I said, they're not even beating the other great team in the Big Ten. That's got to be, you know, they, they have to solve that. Like right now, that's if there is a fan out there who, as much as they're encouraged by the result of the Georgia game, wonders what these three losses to Oregon and Michigan in the last two years mean for the project, for the, for the, what do I want to say? The trajectory of the program. I, I can hear that. I would wonder. I, I I do wonder how much of this that idea, that attitude that you get from fans because it, it does happen a lot. Is the fact that it feels like it's more of a you problem than it is a whoever the team is that's better than you now keeps changing. Yes, it's been Clemson. Yes, it's been Alabama. Yes, it's been Georgia. But every year we when we go through and look at the seasons, we look more at the issue that Ohio State had that it didn't even allow it to get on that stage in the first place than we do the fact that, like, oh, Clemson has taken that spot from you. Oh, Alabama's taking that spot. Or Georgia's taking that spot from you. So maybe some of it comes from that idea of feeling like some things were left on the table because of some things you weren't doing as a program, regardless of what was going on in the South. But that comes with the expectation that a football team should be perfect. You know, like people lose mm. sometimes. I don't know. I'm going to write about this. Uh, maybe I'm too far into this. I, I don't know. Maybe my view has really changed. I don't know. I just. Where I, would I you have, have been, been in, if, if, if 2016 version of you were doing this right now? How would you have viewed it? Because you keep saying like your view has maybe changed now. What's in 2016? How, what, how would 2016 Doug have viewed this Ohio State season? Or maybe even 2014, Doug. You know, uh, uh, maybe not that differently. You can't get blown. You can't lose 31 to nothing to Clemson, right? So I was ready to be fired for that. I very much, I think I understood along the way that the Michigan teams they were beating sometimes were not very good. 16 is different. I thought, I actually thought Michigan, I think I picked Michigan to win in 16. I thought that was like Ohio State's year to lose to Michigan because Michigan had a really veteran team and I thought they had it together and I thought they could take advantage of things. And Ohio State manages to win in double overtime. Um, I definitely, I do think in 06 and 07, I remember being like, hey man, you're the second best team in the country. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That seems pretty good to me. When people were wondering like, what's wrong with Ohio State? It's like, I don't know, you're second? That's pretty good. So um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I definitely have been part of discussions before of like, if they don't win a national title, did they fail? Did they underachieve? And I think I've been open to that idea at times in the past. And at some point, you know, um, you can't go 30 years without a national title again. But I don't think eight years is like a huge drought when you look at the, the four other programs that have won in that time and that Ohio State's been right there the whole time. So I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't have changed that much, but I do think the thing you have to keep in mind, 
They've lost three games in the last they lost four games in the past two years. Three of them were to playoff teams. It just so happened that two of those were Michigan. But I think you have to have an understanding in this that Michigan is very good. And Michigan is better than it's been, at least like consistently better, at least since their national title in 97. But like in terms of being a consistent power, they may, are they as good as they've been since 10-year war? I don't know. Maybe. So that has to factor in. And when we get to five straight losses to Michigan, if that happens, that's a different conversation. But like trajectory of the program when you've lost to Michigan twice, when Michigan's excellent, and then you got on the national stage and showed that I think you were more equipped than anybody else in the country to hang with Georgia, I think that matters. So anyway, we have a long offseason to discuss all this. I want it to be fun. <laughs> I want people to enjoy being a sports fan. So that will be the number one goal of this podcast, is to analyze it in a way that allows people to enjoy their successful team because life's too short to go about it a different way. This will stand as the Wednesday podcast also because it's getting up later on Tuesday. So also stand as the Wednesday podcast. We'll come back Thursday. We'll come back Friday. And then we have a Market Down Monday recap that we're planning for next week. So for now, we'll end it here. Make sure you guys are reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Nathan, I know you have a story up that went up Tuesday morning about Devin Brown and Kyle McCord. I know you're planning more on that, but that was an early look. You talked to both those guys at Media Day at the Peach Bowl. What kind of vibe did you get on the very, very beginnings of this quarterback competition? Yeah, it, you know, there's you're, you're limited a little bit on insight because especially in the case of Kyle McCord and Corey Dennis, there was a lot of, uh, well, you know, we got a game to win two days. So, you know, they didn't really want to go that far down the line. But, <laughs> you know, for Kyle McCord, you know that he sees this moment and is trying to seize this moment, if, if I can use that uh, usage twice. Um, that he, he has been, this is what he came here to do. He came, he showed up in January, 2021 to be Ohio state starting quarterback. That is still his mission. He, uh, feels like he is better equipped to do that now than ever before. He said that he sort of cleared his mind at some point this year and kind of focused in on the, the, the things that he still needed to improve on and, and, and thought he saw his game start to change and the leadership that he could start to show um, even just through, you know, his work with the twos um, has started to make a difference. And then for Devin Brown, you know, he's in a, a favorable position right now in that, you know, I don't know if there's a lot of pressure on him to win this job. I think there's a pressure on him to be a really good quarterback and to give common cord his best look. Um, but I also think that there's enough there that, um, you can't dismiss the the possibility that just his raw tools could win out. Um, but I think it's just a reminder that Ohio State is in um, just a good position here. Like, they, I know neither of these guys have a ton of experience. Uh, they both, uh, or at least in Kyle Court's case, has a lot more uh, game experience than C.J. Stroud did before he took this job over in 2021. And uh, a lot of teams out there do not, when they have quarterback battles going into the spring, it's not two guys this good going head to head. So um, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I would say, you know, Kyle McCord is the one that's in the driver's seat just because he has the experience uh, on his side and, and some of those intangibles on his side. So Devin Brown's got the tough job of catching him and passing him, but Ohio state has to, has to have two starting caliber quarterbacks by the end of this. And I, I think there's uh, from, from talking to people there, like there's just optimism within the program that that can happen. 
All right. We'll get more into that. Maybe we'll get more into that later this week. I, I think there's some, we can start having some quarterback discussions about next year. But for now, for Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.